when the Lord addressed the seven churches of Asia, he had specific messages to each of those churches. To the church at Ephesus, he spoke about their faith and their service, and it seemed like it was a pretty good congregation of people. However, the Lord said, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Apparently, if they had left their first love, they were loving something else. Their first love would have been for the Lord, for doing His work, for doing His service. That was their first love. And the fact that they had left their first love seems to indicate that they had placed their love into something else. Obviously, this was speaking of the spiritual matters concerning that congregation and the members of it. They had left their first love. Would you agree with me that this suggests the idea of a misplaced love? That if they had left their first love, which was the right and appropriate love that they should have had, and they now have left that, then they must have misplaced their love in the direction of something that was not good, that was not what it should have been. This alerts us to the danger that we could misplace our love as well. And that's what we want to talk about in our lesson this morning, the potential of misplaced love. We stop here just briefly to thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, It's great to be able to be together, to have this occasion to come together with one another for the sake of, first of all, worshiping and glorifying God. We certainly pray, as Jordan prayed, that that would be accomplished. But we also have the objective of coming together to encourage, edify, build up, and strengthen one another. And we pray that that will also happen. We think that these meetings together are so important for our spiritual well-being according to God's plan and design. And we thank you for realizing that too and for being here to be a part of that. Thanks for your presence here today and thanks for those who are visiting with us. We're really glad you came and we hope you'll come back every time that you have a chance to be here. What about misplaced love? What are some of the places where we could put our love and it would be wrong? It would be misplaced Well, let me suggest to you that maybe uh, the number one danger in this regard is placing too much love upon self. I think the cause of a lot of the problems that we have in our personal lives comes from the problem of selfishness. It's rooted, a lot of our issues are rooted in selfishness. I'm just thinking about me. I just want what I want. And so love of self is a big problem, a misplaced love. In the text that Damon read for us earlier from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Notice, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of from such turn away. Now, look at, if you look at that passage, you see a long list of activities that are condemned. Uh, blasphemy, uh, being unthankful, lacking natural affection, false accusers, right on down the list. But did you notice where it started? It seems that the text is suggesting that all of this is rooted in being lovers of self, selfish personal interest. That's what we've got to be on guard against. That's a misplaced kind of love. 
The Bible consistently warns about thinking too much of ourselves, regarding ourselves too highly, placing too much interest in our in ourselves. Uh, we've commented a number of times that in recent decades there has been this flawed self-esteem movement. Uh, I think the self-esteem movement, as we have mentioned, has has been largely discredited even in in secular circles. But the idea was that all of our problems are because we don't think enough of ourselves. That was the self-esteem movement. you got to think more of yourself. Now I think the flaw of that has really been exposed. And the Bible was always saying the same thing. The Bible was saying, be careful not to think too much of yourself. Be careful not to be too self-centered. I'll tell you, when we love ourselves too much, when we put ourselves first, get ready for trouble because it's coming We're going to have trouble in our families. We're going to have troubles on the job. We're going to have troubles in the church if we love ourselves and place our love emphasis there. A misplaced kind of love. Let me tell you, another kind of misplaced love is love of family. And I I hope that that would draw a reaction from you almost. What? Are you saying it's wrong to love our families? What's wrong with that? Well, let me suggest to you that it's wrong if we love our families more than God. That's, even that is a form of misplaced love. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning verse 34, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Notice, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Here's the emphasis, more than me. So love of family is a misplaced love if our love of family is more than our love for God. Someone says, well, I don't do that. I don't love my family more than God. Well, I hope not because we're not supposed to, right? God's supposed to hold first place, but... Would you agree with me that sometimes by actions that are taken, although we would say otherwise, we're giving the message that my family is more important to me than God. An example. So there's a family reunion. Now, we this is not the time of year for family reunions, but it'll be coming up on us here before too long. And so on a given Sunday, my family has decided that they're going to have a reunion. And it's going to start pretty early on the day on Sunday. And I got to tell you, I wouldn't miss that family reunion for anything. I'm going to the family reunion. Now, that means that I won't worship God that day because I'm going to be at the family reunion. Would you understand that to be loving family more than loving God? Doesn't it seem like that would be the case? My family has taken a vacation. We've been planning this vacation for a long time. It's a big deal for my family. We're going on this very nice, lengthy vacation. Well, where are you going to be worshiping while you're on vacation? Oh, well, we won't be able to make it to worship. Our itinerary won't allow for that. We're not going to be in places where we can worship. But it is our long-anticipated family vacation. Really? Loving family? More than loving God. There's a school event this week. And it just happens to hit on Wednesday night. 
we're going to the school event because my kids are going to actually be honored. It's a sort of an awards ceremony kind of thing, you know. And my kids, by the way, are extra brilliantly bright. And, and they're going to be awarded for their academic achievements. And I wouldn't want to miss that. Or there's a ball game this week. And it hits during worship times. I got to go to the ball game to see my kids play, my grandkids play. You just keep building that list and you begin to wonder, who do I love more? Jesus said, he that loveth father and mother, mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And so in that sense, in that sense, it's a misplaced kind of love if our love for family exceeds our love for God. Certainly we're to love our family. We're commanded to do so, of course. But it cannot be a love that displaces God from number one place What about the love of money? We live, undoubtedly, we live in the most materialistic society in the history of the world. Certainly the wealthiest society in the history of the world. Uh, We've got more money. And we've got more stuff that money buys than anybody who's ever gone before us. That being the case, the danger of loving money too much is a real threat to us. And we've got to be careful that we don't misplace our love for money over God. You know the text, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know this statement, the love of money is the root of all evil. A lot of people just want to take this part of the quote, money is the root of all evil. And they're actually misquoting the verse, aren't they? Because it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Someone said, I'm not very rich. In fact, I don't have hardly any money. You can still have the love of money, right? You You could be penniless and still have the problem of love of money and your pursuit of it crowds God out of your life. We've got to be careful. We live in such a time that we've got to be particularly careful about misplacing our love upon money and the things that money can buy. The love of money is a a misplaced love. What about the love of pleasure? Not only do we live in a time when we have lots of money, but that money allows us to pursue a lot of pleasurable activities. Um, So we do have time to take Really pretty nice vacations if we want to. We certainly have the time to engage in recreational pursuits. You know, uh, uh, want to play golf, play golf. I want to go camping, go camping. I want to go hunting, go hunting. I want to go, what, what, what's, your, what's the activity that you enjoy to do as a recreation, a pursuit of pleasure? That's not a bad thing. Doing that sort of thing is not a bad thing, but it becomes a problem, again, when the love of that and doing that crowds God out of the picture. Look back at 2 Timothy 3 again, that text we've read now, we've already read it twice, come back to it again, and notice, we won't read it again, but notice that in this description that Paul was giving of sinful men, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. There you go. Uh, there's the problem. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's not that pleasure 
or pleasurable activities or recreational activities or entertainment activities are in and of themselves bad. But when we come to love that, so much so that it's more than our love for God, then it is condemned. Someone says, I don't have that problem. Other people perhaps have that problem. That's not my problem. I don't have that problem. Well, think about that for a minute. It could be manifested in lots of ways. We already talked about how that such pursuits might keep us away from worshiping God. But actually, even if we don't forsake the assembly, such pursuits could crowd God. For instance, I've got to contribute to the Lord's work. I've got to give of that which I've been blessed with. But I can't give probably anywhere close to what I should be given because I went on that vacation. Because I bought that new car. Because I got that big screen TV. Uh, because I bought a boat. I can't give as much because I have obligated myself in these other, what? Pleasurable pursuits, right? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you have to say then that that fits this description of lovers of pleasure more than God? Because I spend my money on my top priorities. And these pleasurable activities have prioritized above God. And now I can't give like I should. There are lots of ways that this problem might be manifested. But the love of pleasure, more than the love of God, is a misplaced kind of love. The scriptures talk about the love of the world. Now, this is a challenge, I believe, really for all of us to keep focused on spiritual things. Keep, now, think about that expression. Stay focused on spiritual things. By the very nature of that, that's harder because I can't, I can't actually see spiritual things. I can see physical things, but spiritual things are not seen. The things of this world are seen. And so we're challenged. And we've got to work at not allowing the love of what we can see, what's here and now, the, the instantaneous gratification of the world. We've got to be careful that that does not crowd out God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said, having what? Loved this present world. We've talked about Demas before who had been in Paul's working company for some time. and in the, But sadly, the last thing we read about him is this statement in some of the very final words from the Apostle Paul. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What a sad thing. But think about it. So you're going to cast off on Demas? He loved the present world? You're going to cast off him? What a bad guy Demas is. Man, that was really bad of him to forsake Paul in this trying... But think about it now. That was a period of intense persecution. Those people were really under the gun. And yet we think even though they were under persecution, it seems like a really bad statement on the part of Demas to have loved this present world. His His action was still condemned, even though you might say you could potentially understand it under persecution. We're not under such persecution. And if we love the present world more than we love God, in this, in this instance where we have freedom and liberty and opportunity, you don't think we look worse than Demas? Demas loved the present world, but he did that under the face of intense persecution. Still he's condemned. What would be said of us if we allow 
the love of the world to crowd out God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love the Father is not in him. Just don't do it. Because you can't have it both ways. Do you see that? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love the Father is not in him. It does not seem like you can blend the two. You're going to have to decide what side of that equation you're going to fall down on. Loving the world or loving the Father. Of course, Jesus explained it so plainly in Matthew chapter 6. You remember this statement from the Sermon on the Mount. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and wrath corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor wrath doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so the idea is that if we allow the love of this present world to crowd out God, it's a sadly misplaced love. Here's one I think maybe that a lot of people wouldn't consider, misplaced love. What about the love of preeminence? The love of preeminence. I don't think a lot of people probably think about that. Um, but this has especially to do with those who love to be held in admiration by other people. It has to do with the kind of people who desire to have position and influence. Now, when we think about that, my guess is we probably think about politicians first. People who love position and influence. Oh, yeah. Politicians are guilty of that. Maybe all politicians are guilty of that to some degree. But I want to tell you, as distasteful as it might be in politics, it's even worse in the church. People who love to have the preeminence. My guess is you know the fellow I'm describing here in 3 John verses 9 and 10. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, what? Who loveth to have the preeminence among them. Receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. What was the problem with Diotrephes? He loved to have the preeminence. And it caused lots of trouble. All kinds of issues. It was a misplaced love. Rather than loving God and loving the brethren, what he loved was to be a man of preeminence. Jesus said if we want to be great, the way we do that is not by seeking to be over everybody, but the way we are great in his kingdom is to serve others. Matthew 23, verse 11, beginning, He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Greatness comes from service. Greatness in God's eyes comes from service, not from being over everybody else. Another kind of misplaced love is the love of false doctrine. The religious world, of course, is full of those who teach things that are not true to the Word of God. And even to the point that when we confront them about that and say, well, here's what the Bible says, here's what you believe in practice, and when you can show a distinct disparity between what the Bible plainly says and what they're practicing, they have no real love for the truth. They are devoted and hang on desperately to the false doctrine that they have that has thus been exposed. 
In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31, the, the Old Testament prophet was talking about God's people way back then. This is way back then. How was it among God's people? The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? So Jeremiah, the faithful prophet of God, was facing a situation where there were these false prophets. They were these people who were telling things that weren't true. But the people loved it. They loved to hear what those false prophets had to say. The people loved to have it so. I would argue that that is still the case in the religious world today. False doctrines are taught and promoted, and the people love to have it so. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9, this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, to the prophets prophesy not unto us, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. That's what they wanted. And sadly, it sounds like today. That sounds like the situation that exists in the religious world of our day as well. Finally, let me suggest to you that the Bible describes the love of praise of men. In John chapter 12, verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Think about that situation. Who were they really trying to please? They wanted to please other men. They were more, more, more worried about what other men thought of them than what God thought of them. They loved to be praised by men. They loved for other men to acknowledge them. More so than for God to praise them for their righteous living. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Who are we trying to please? You know? If, if we compromise and if we try to blend in with all that's going about in the religious world and even among our own brethren, if we're, if we're determined to just sort of blend in, to compromise, to fit in, so that others won't speak bad. I don't want anybody to speak badly of me. I don't want anybody to think that I'm taking a, a, an unpopular view or an extreme view or a view that doesn't fall within the mainstream of things. I just want to make sure people don't think I'm some kind of religious nut or fanatic. If we want men to praise us more than we want God to praise us, if we love the praise of men more than the praise of God, then you'd have to agree that that is a form of misplaced love. Well, I hope you recognize that as we went through this list, the Bible identifies all these potentials, all these kinds of love that represent misplaced love. And we cannot afford to do that. Misplaced love. Got to be careful about that. We certainly do. Remember back to our introduction. What did the Lord say to the church at Ephesus? They had left their first love. There's a right place for our love to be centered. And it's upon God and doing His will. And anything, any distraction from that, any anything that causes us to put our love someplace else rather than to love God and do His will is a misplaced love. Think about yourself this morning. Does any of that which we describe apply to you? Uh, would, it, would you have to honestly say that any of those things we describe may be applicable to you? If that's the case, we urge you to repent of that. Turn to God. Seek His forgiveness. If you've never obeyed the gospel, we hope you'll make that decision. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. That's that simple plan that leads to our salvation. We'll be glad to assist in your obedience or study more with you if you need it.
If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful to your Lord, come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.